Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Wherever you are on your financial journey, at Ameris Bank, we're with you. From setting up your new bank account. You're all set. To expanding your business's footprint. We're with you. From savings plans that advance college funds to graduation milestones worth celebrating. With every big step and baby step, we're with you all the way. Visit amerisbank.com slash with you and let's turn those money questions into financial peace of mind. Amerisbank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Attention homeowners, due to upcoming government regulations, the current energy efficiency ratings for HVAC systems will change. Current inventory cannot be sold after December 31st. As the year 2023 starts, customers can expect to pay an average of 30% more for a new HVAC unit that will meet the new government regulations. So what does this mean for you, the customer? There's no better time to purchase a new HVAC system. AAA Heating and Air must empty their warehouse to make room for the new systems. No deals will be turned down with their 15-year parts and labor warranty plus guaranteed financing they have made it possible for anyone to get a new system call today and enjoy your new home comfort as quickly as tomorrow but you can only get this special deal by calling 803-677-1500 triple a heating and air wants to give you their best deal possible on a new hvac unit but you have to call today 803-677-1500 and tell them you heard about this deal on 1075 the game's gamecock central podcast It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Fireman with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And J.J. has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome, uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 in the, like, the 210 range. Uh, um, a dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. Game. A few minutes after 11 o'clock on a Wednesday morning, and welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, Preston, Chris Clark here with you in the Herndon Chevy studios of 107.5 The Game. Oh, man. Like, I thought this was just a normal Wednesday. I thought we were going to talk about Shane Beamer's press conference, you know, the, the matchup on the interior, defensive line for South Carolina, Zach Pickens, quarterbacks. Fair and, food. Yeah, fair food. Zach Pickens carrying the football. Chris, he said he was too old. Isn't that amazing? How does that make you feel as a young 30-something? First of all, I'm not a young 30-something. now. I am now on the back half of 36. Are staring you really? down the I barrel. I thought you were like 34. I'm, I'm 36. And I've, honestly, there's a big difference. I well, think. I congratulations. But yeah, I think... <laughs> Thank you. I've made it this Most far. people that heard Zach Pickens say that he was too old to carry the football were like, well, what does that make me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. A fossil. Yes. Um, anyway, I thought we were going to talk about that, but we're just going to... I mean, people, we could do five shows a week for all 14 weeks of the football season, not mention one final score, not mention one opponent, not mention one thing that happened in an actual South Carolina football game, and just talk about on Joyner and still have a full text line at, like, the end of December. So we're not going to do that here. We will talk about it a little bit, uh, especially in light of the news that R.J. Roderick has made his way out of the South Carolina football program. It feels like in some ways those... 
I don't know. It feels like there's some something related there. We'll try to figure out what it is. Uh, before we get too far down this rabbit hole, though, let me give, give you guys an opportunity to win some money. It's time for your chance to win $100 and qualify for the $25,000 grand prize in our $25,000 signing bonus contest. Just text the following national keyword to 95819. Your national keyword to text is... Card. C-A-R-D. Finally, a word that is not a homophone. Card. C-A-R-D. Card. Text that national keyword to 95819. Standard text messaging rates may apply. Please don't text and drive. The $25,000 signing bonus contest on 107.5 The Game. Brock called us old, which is hurtful. I think we are the youngest show on the station, right? Yes, we are. So even with me, even with me bringing up the the meme, I was going to say we we have we have three is. different decades represented on this show, which is which is helpful. Different perspectives. Yeah, enjoy it, Pearson. <laughs> I know for not much longer. Mm-hmm. I'll be that'll be thirty soon enough. Um, all right. So the the headline coming out of Shane Beamer's press conference yesterday, before we dig into a lot of the Texas A and M stuff that I do want to get to, is that R J. Roderick is no longer with the South Carolina football program. A little bit of a surprise, considering. I mean, there was playing time for R.J. Roderick. He wasn't the starter anymore. Nick Amenwari has solidly taken that role, and I think justifiably so. This was never a deep position for South Carolina. Uh, I'm on record many times in the last couple of years talking about the deficiencies that R.J. Roderick has at the safety position, but I I will start with uh, Chris. Are you now particularly concerned about the rotation at safety, or you feel good enough about D.Q. Smith, Nick Amenwari, Devonnie Reed, whoever else is going to be back there, that this should not be a big blow? Yeah, I mean, I think the the staff, the fan base would probably feel much better if Roderick were in the fold because while he certainly um, battled inconsistencies at South Carolina, no doubt about it, it's a guy that's played a lot of football. Um, he's coming into the year, he'd played, I think, 43 games, so he's 46 games, you know, at the time of his exit. He'd started 33. He could play nickel. He could play safety. And even though Nicky Minwari supplanted him in the Georgia State game, primarily due to injury, what we had heard in the preseason was that it would not be a surprise. Uh, honestly, there was kind of an expectation that Nicky Minwari would eventually take that job. If so, fine. The, the bet, One thing, Wes and I were talking about this yesterday, this staff has found guys throughout the season, and they are playing the guys that have kind of earned their way. That, that's one thing you can say. They've pared things down. Um, so Nick, DQ, that's why you're seeing them on the field, right, as true freshmen even. So even if Nick takes that job, it's still good to have guys with experience that you can play if you have an injury or if you get in a game where you're playing 70-something snaps, a guy needs a breather, special teams guy. Um, it would certainly be positive to have him around. Now, there are a few things that will be helpful given this news. Number one, Nick is playing very well. Um, it's not – You've got a starter in R.J. Roderick and a true freshman behind him, and you're not, you don't feel great about the true freshman. You feel really good about the true freshman. Devonnie Reed should be back this week. He's gotten a lot better. He's been banged up. The other thing is David Spaulding, right? I mean, this is a guy that's been a corner and nickel for his career. He played nickel last year at South Carolina, platooning with Carlins Patel. But now they insert him at safety. Hey, by the way, you're playing safety against Kentucky. And he has a really good game. I mean, impactful game, has the interception to seal it at the end. Obviously had the big 
uh, forced fumble on the reverse on play one, really had a good game. So now you're in a situation where you feel like you've probably got three guys there, mm-hmm. right, at the safety spot. With Spalding being back healthy and being able to play there, that's a significant development. Um, I don't think there's any way you could say it's positive to lose a guy with that much experience, but that's the choice he made. For South Carolina, what it means now is I think it's very likely that Spalding probably does say it's stay at safety because DQ Smith has nailed down that nickel spot, but he could always go back to safety as well. DQ mm-hmm. could. Were uh, was this? Were they surprised in the building that this was Roger's decision? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know, I'm not really sure. I I do know. Here's what I do know, because I don't want to say something or or report something that I don't know to be true. I'm not, I don't have a great handle on that. What I do know is um, this had been brewing for at least a few days. You know, we had started hearing that it was possible. And I got to say that this is something that you look at across the sport now um, in, in this kind of new era of college football. We had actually kind of joked about it, um, at this stage in the season, you know, after four games, five games, six games, you start going, all right, are there any guys that have not played over four games that may be unhappy with their role? Maybe they used to be a starter. Maybe they just want to be playing more at this stage in their career that could could start looking around. And so, uh, I mean, we didn't guess RJ or anything. Um, but from that standpoint, it makes sense. Um, and he might be looking at it, don't want to speak for him, but – He's probably looking at it saying, hey, you know, I feel like I should be playing or I would like to play. You see the trajectory that it's on right now where Nikki Minwari is entrenched as the, as the starter for the remainder of the season. And RJ is obviously an, an upperclassman. So he's in the portal? I don't know if he's officially in the portal yet, but that is our – that was even at right. the time – because he's played a lot, but he'll still have eligibility if he takes a red shirt this year, and I guess he has one still to burn. Yeah, so the interesting thing, basically when the NCAA came out with the COVID rule uh, from 2020, there are a couple like different types of exemptions in there actually, but the main one is basically just the 2020 doesn't count. And so it kind of depends on what athletes, like what academic track are they on, what do they want to do, how many years do they want to play. But basically it kind of gave guys – six seasons to play four years on the field instead of your typical five. So it just kind of gave you an extra year. So um, this year he only played in three games, and so this will certainly be able to serve as a redshirt year for him. We're going to be doing this show in 2037, (laughs) and we're going to be talking about some linebacker for Auburn. It's like, yeah, he's just bounced around, you know, still using his COVID year. I can't believe like how many years after we're still talking about guys playing on the COVID year. There was there was a guy, I want to say it might have been during the I was watching Kentucky, you know, to like prep for the South Carolina game. 
So I want to say it was when they were playing uh, Northern Illinois. I think they said they had an eighth-year player on the team. Amazing. Get out. It was at least seven. He can't be ages, Preston. You play with Pops. He came back. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else got to get out, man. That's true. That's true. <laughs> get out. <laughs> the, the nest is too small for you here. Get out. Move along. I still have a hard time believing. I think it might be uh, when Mitch Jeter has come out to kick this year, it might actually be Parker White. Mm. He just put on a mask. Yeah. And probably like, sure. shrunk himself a little bit because he's tall. Yeah. Well, I read a story about somebody, and I can't remember if it was a transfer, but there was somebody who had transferred a couple times, played at a couple different levels, had been injured in different seasons. It was a story in the offseason. Do y'all remember this? I don't remember if it was a Carolina player. Probably not, because Sherrod's the oldest, and it wasn't Sherrod. Get out. <laughs> Eight years is too many. Yeah. Get, does it, yeah. Get out. You, you, were, you were done after your fifth year. You were like, like your fifth year was a, you've been there a while, right? Yes. Yeah. It was time. Mm-hmm. But there, that is, <laughs> to, to bring that point, we can bring this back on the, on the other side. I would like to explore maybe the human side of of this issue and looking at RJ and looking at just what it's like. What is it like to get benched? What is it like to have expectations going into the season? What is it like to be a, a fifth-year senior? I know it's very easy for us to get on the get with us or get gone type of idea, but maybe there's a little bit, maybe there's another side to that. Yeah, definitely worth exploring. 803-404-6100. Love Chevy phone line, text line, however y'all want to be a part of the show, you can let us know and you can get us on Twitter as well, at Pearson Fowler, at Coach P Tweets, and at GC Chris Clark. Uh, As promised, before we go to break, give you an opportunity to win some tickets to go see South Carolina play Texas A&M this Saturday night at 7.30. Be caller number five right now at 803-404-6100. And we'll give you a pair of tickets to go see the Texas A&M game. 803-404-6100. Caller 5 right now. Good luck. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Eleven twenty one on a Wednesday morning, and welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, Preston, and Chris Clark here with you in the Herndon Chevy Studios of 107.5 The Game. Talking Carolina football, the Gamecocks taking on Texas A&M on Saturday night, and I just gave a pair of tickets away to, I just forgot his name. Who was it? Michael. Just gave away a pair of tickets to Michael. He's going to get to go see the Texas A&M game thanks to the Carolina Honda Powerhouse Gamecock ticket giveaway. So keep listening to 107.5, and you will have more opportunities to win those tickets, which are apparently hard to come by. Shane Beamer said he and his wife have given too many away, and now they can't find any. Shane will have a good seat, though. He'll be all right. Yeah. Real good seat. He'll be fine. Um, the big news coming out of Shane Beamer's press conference yesterday was that R.J. Roderick has made his way out of the South Carolina football program. And, uh, you know, Preston, you, I, I think, you uh, started, I think, which is a good road to go down here in terms of what it's like to lose your job. But do you even know what that's like? Or have you always just been taking people's jobs in football? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I know what it's like. Yeah. I, I um, One season, I think my, maybe my junior year, I got benched. Um, and I, I was penciled in as, as the starter. And I guess I didn't perform. I didn't no, take I guess I didn't perform mm-hmm. well enough. Was that the Green Jersey episode? It might have been during that. It might have been okay. during that episode. You know, I try and put those traumas away from me, but uh, it's a it's it's definitely something that's really difficult to deal with because that's what you spend all your time doing, mm. and 
nobody that goes out there every day that those dudes go out there and practice. Nobody wants to not perform and you you want to be starting and especially when you've put as much time into it. So it's a it's definitely a, a learning experience. It's definitely something that you can take with you and, you know, live and learn from it. But it's not an easy thing to go from starter to not. So you were benched, but then you ended up a captain. So what happened? Um, I have to get my timeline straight. I don't think that was the same year. I think I was a captain my senior year. I came back right. off of I guess I just mean like you, you didn't get forever benched. You you earned your starting job back. I did. I did. And but that was the end of, that was a that was a choice that choice that I made. It wasn't my senior year. Obviously the rules were different. Um but I can see somebody that maybe says like you I don't know what RJ's plans are. And it's just much like Chris said, I don't want to speak for anybody. Just speaking to various experiences, I can see you saying, man, I don't – football is – for those that are listening, football is really hard. And it might be cool for everybody else just to be part of the team and be – and enjoy it. But some people might decide that if, if this – if I'm not getting exactly what I thought I was going to get out of this, maybe I want to do something else. Now, I don't know where – this is not – I'm not speaking for RJ specifically. But I could see somebody saying, like, nah, I'm good on this. This is not exactly what. I wanted the nice backpack and the. <laughs> yeah. The, trust me. I know we all think that the swag is awesome, but <laughs> it wears off after a while. And yeah. it might be like, ah, I don't know if I want to do this. So, oh. again, not RJ specifically, but I could see an angle where somebody decides, like, I don't, I don't know if this is what I want to do anymore. I think uh it's it's a different situation for sure, but a decent comparison that we have here may be like Jamias Williams. Mm. So Jamias was, you know, a, a pretty big recruit. He played pretty well as a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2018, he played in several games and had to, uh, he had shoulder surgery, ended his year. So then he went into 2019 um, and he played, I think, in, he played in four games. He started in three and he he wasn't playing that well um and ultimately decided you know i i think he was possibly going to you know get benched or was benched i can't get that straight in my head um and decided hey you know i i want to move on somewhere else and go play now his path was interesting because um i don't know what he thought at the time i do know that he wanted to keep playing db mm-hmm. well obviously he entered the portal uh, he goes to Georgia State, and now he's playing on offense for, for them, which is where a lot of people thought he would end up. I know he wanted to play DB, you know, to start with. So different from RJ in terms of RJ. I don't – RJ's not going to go somewhere and play running back. <laughs> you know, he's a DB. But um, kind of a local example of a guy that it the after he plays a few games within a season at South Carolina says, hey – you know, my role isn't what it was or what I want it to be, so I'm going to look around. Yeah, and, you know, I, I have the, where we make the line between empathy and sympathy, right? I I empathize with that. I don't have any sympathy for RJ, though, because, like I said, there are 40 other dudes who are on the bench also. So you can figure out a way to maneuver around that. And I would also, if I was giving advice to RJ, I would say, hey, you can do whatever, you do whatever you want to do. You're you're an adult because mm-hmm. he's been here for 10 years, so he's <laughs> of age. So mm-hmm. we're not talking to a quote-unquote kid. You're an adult. You can make whatever decision you want to make. But I would just understand that wherever you go, you're going there with you. And so you might think it's going to be better somewhere else, 
but you're going to be the same person you've been here that you'll be there. So I love that. You can figure that you're out. You're going there, but you're going there with you. You're going there with you. <laughs> so it's really good. The same guy that had the, whatever struggles you had here, they're probably going to go with you unless you change something dramatically. The other curious piece of this to me is what impact does this have on the locker room? We've I do not I do not think these are one to one comparisons. But for example, we just saw Robbie Anderson, who is clearly unhappy with his role in the terrible Carolina Panther offense. Get into it with his coach, get kicked out of a game. He got traded. Seems like it's better for any, for everybody. Doesn't seem like that was necessarily the case for for RJ, but it can go one of two ways. Like there are a lot of other older guys. You know, Sherrod, like RJ, has been there since Lou Holtz. It's like, how much of an impact does that have? How much is that business? Like, does Nick and Worry feel better now because he doesn't have you know the the old head behind him? Like on his tail does he feel worse because maybe that was a mentor i know it could go a lot of different ways but in general somebody up and leaving in the middle of the season has to have some kind of impact on the locker room correct i would say yes i would i would say it you you nailed it obviously it could go a million different ways it probably depends on what the relationships were in there i'm sure there's some people that they are maybe not as happy to see go and some people that Nobody will miss the next day. Yeah. I don't know what that situation is for now. Um, but this, back in my day, <laughs> this younger generation, they tend to look at things more from a business perspective. And I feel like, and I, I'm not saying that's for the good or bad. Mm-hmm. I feel like they'll probably more so be like, yeah, man, go do your thing, dog. You know, it's not working here. <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll see you on Instagram. That's my guy. Big bro or little bro or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if that same, I don't know if that attitude would have been the same when I played. And I don't know whether that's good or bad. Yeah. I just think that's kind of where we are. Because hmm. I, I see, when you know, you deal with recruiting, you see them. They all, they all sort of still remain connected. Whereas 20 years ago, if you transferred and you went, you could have went around the corner. We'd be like, I don't know if I'm going to see you again, but I'll, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, we might never talk again. So yeah. these dudes will stay connected if, they want to, but I don't know. It might be a situation where he leaves and everybody's just like, okay. Yeah, uh, Chris, he's not someone that typically got put on the coach's shorthand, short list. You know, not that the coaches were saying, here are the leaders in order. It's just like, here are a handful of guys that stick out. He wasn't normally one of the ones that was mentioned. It, wh- what was his role in the locker room? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I, I think we've heard from, I, th- I think some people, even some players were talking a little bit on social media around the time of, of RJ leaving. And so he does have some obviously good relationships on the team. I think you're right. And that he's not someone like, uh, like Zach Pickens, that's the first name that came to my mind. If you talk to coaches around the program or guys in the weight room or even other players, they're going to point to Zach Pickens as being in that leadership role. And so it's not always necessarily a negative. Sometimes guys just 
aren't a captain or they're not one of the vocal leaders of the team. They just kind of come in and more do their thing, and they have mm-hmm. some good relationships. So I don't, I don't think there was anything negative there. Yeah. I think you just yeah, wasn't it doesn't one have to be an indictment. If everybody's yeah. a leader, then not then then no one's a leader kind of deal. Like you have to have a couple of guys that separate themselves and and don't. But um, just trying to measure the impact and and who knows, it, it may not even be anything that we're able to see from the outside, but it's it it will have some impact. Yeah, but and then I mean, ultimately, it can have some impact, and you can feel however you want. But this is me being of a certain age. I bet, but he's not here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you can feel whatever you want, but he decided to leave. Yeah. Well, that you, I mean, that, that exactly that impact might be like Nick Amore. It's like, all right, time to cook. Like, let's go get this guy out of here. I'm just saying, he could be he could be your boy, and we could send him uh, IG shout outs. And I you're gonna say postcards, whatever. No, <laughs> they don't know how to fill out an address for. Him, man. <laughs> they don't know what that is. We could do all of that, but eventually I would just be like, man, feel however you want. But he, he showed you very clearly how he felt about what was going on here. Yeah. So you can love him, but That's true. he didn't love y'all that much. <laughs> yeah. Well, in any case, uh, that is not part of South Carolina's defensive backfield going forward. And, uh, yeah, there you go. 803-404-6100. Uh, you did mention leadership. And, actually, Zach Pickens gave an interesting answer, I thought, to a question that he was asked yesterday about how he has – you know, sort of in his own mind, turned himself into a leader. What does that look like to him? Someone that had his best game of the season against Kentucky and will be, I think, heavily counted on to have a similar kind of performance if Carolina wants to pull the upset against Texas A&M. So we'll let you hear back from Zach Pickens in just a minute. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell on the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 11.37, Wednesday morning. Welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, Preston, Chris here with you in the Herndon Chevy Studios of 107.5 The Game. Talking Carolina, Texas A&M. Shane Beamer had his media availability yesterday. In addition to the news that R.J. Roderick was not going to be playing, Corey Rucker and Terrell Dawkins are both expected to be out this game. And everybody else, Chris, you mentioned earlier, Devonnie Reed expected to be there. Boogie Huntley, Carolina have been, has been dealing with a lot of guys that were banged up. Could be the healthiest Carolina has been all season long, which would be uh, obviously huge for South Carolina. Also huge for South Carolina, um, literally and physically, <laughs> um, is uh, Zach Pickens. Had his best game of the season, I think, against Kentucky. Very disruptive, albeit against uh, a not very good offensive line for Kentucky. But uh, this is another Texas A&M team that struggled a little bit to block the run, to protect the passers. So Zach Pickens is going to have an opportunity to replicate his performance against Kentucky, but he was asked yesterday uh, not so much about his play, but about the leadership uh, that he's just uh, that role that he has grown into over the years at South Carolina. Here's what he had to say. Um, I mean, I I care a lot, you know, especially when it comes to this team. Like, I want to do everything I can to help whatever I can to do to get the win. Like, I just I want our team is really good, and we get pushed over and people overlook us because maybe we we don't win a game when we should and it'd be on us like and now I'm starting to show them that we can do it and the more like I show I care then everybody sees it and it's just keep rolling and that's one thing I want us to do just keep rolling so keep growing uh you know he talked about that first part just just caring a lot obviously that helps it's interesting to hear him talk about not not that it's well, maybe it is a necessity, like feeling like you're overlooked, feeling like people are selling you short. Of course, that is a powerful motivator to feel like you're being 
counted out. Um, maybe makes sense with his personality, but also maybe explains. I don't know. Like we talked a lot in the off season about where does the fire come from on this defense? It's like Zach Pickens. It's like doesn't doesn't totally sound like it. And and there you hear maybe even a little bit of it. It's like does 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 he need to, is is this Rocky? Does he need to be punched in the face to like get angry and turn into the Incredible Hulk? I think Zach's a little different on the field. He has a switch, so he'll talk more on the field. I think I saw him in the Kentucky game letting a Kentucky player know what had just happened. Yeah. He was just recapping it for him. <laughs> he wasn't sure what had happened, so mm-hmm. Zach told him. Mm-hmm. And and he is, you know, and I mentioned Zach earlier, like he is more of a, you know, kind of speaking with the media, more of a quiet, thoughtful guy. Uh, but – from what we heard in uh, in summer workouts and the preseason and all that, he was one of their more, you know, vocal guys on the team. And vocal, but also, you know, just showing, illustrating the way that things should be done. That's, that's the key part. You can be vocal, but we need to also see you mm-hmm. doing the things that you're vocalizing. It's not, you can't be the dude that's out there just saying a bunch of stuff and we don't see you doing all of the right things. And I don't think you can underestimate how important actually caring is Hmm. it sounds trite maybe even a little woo woo to say you know i really care about this team but you know just going back to coach also has talked about our three pillars was trust care and commitment and Hmm. caring was the second one the idea that you have to really care about and what zach said was i care about this team he could have easily said man i care about my performance Hmm. i care about going into the nfl next year i care about this nil deal over here but for him to say, I care about this team, and if we win, it's really, that's probably the most important part of leadership is that the person who's leading has to actually care about the people below them, the people that they're working with, the organization, the organization's mission. So I don't think that's overstated when that's the first thing that he points to. And he kind of, he said it almost like admitting it. He was almost like sad to admit it. That he's like, I actually care about this. But caring is the key. When you know... When you see somebody that is doing something that they actually care about, mm. whether it's, you know, I guess it's when we talk about art, preparing food, or you see somebody detailing a car, it's like, oh, you really care about this. And that you can't replace that. Right. I, I can listen to anyone talk about anything as long as they're really into it. As, as long as they really are passionate about it and they care about the thing that they're doing, I think that's important. And for a football team to have the leader a senior, one of the guys who's starting to turn it on and play well, somebody that's going to the NFL, somebody that's on track to graduate, all of those things, all those boxes are checked. And when you see an older guy like that who actually cares, that means a lot for the program. And we heard him say earlier, I know, Chris, you probably heard this yesterday. Uh, we played, we replayed the clip, but, I mean, Zach sounded genuinely thrilled when thinking about taking on double teams from offensive linemen. He said that was the best part of his day. Sure. Hey, just everything about Zach, highly decorated coming out of high school, has had moments, had a good season last year, hasn't really had a good season this year, but, like, the talent is there, it seems. The size is there. He seems to have the right mentality. He flips the switch. He cares. Like, everything about Zach, it seems like all of the pieces are there for him to be as good as people expected him and, and frankly, needed him to be. And with the exception of the Kentucky game, it hasn't really happened, and I can't figure out what the missing link is there unless the answer is Kentucky was just him turning it on and the next six games are going to be what people thought the last two years were going to be for him. Yeah, I mean, I think people just have 
you know, different development tracks. I mean, we, we've seen that a lot at this level. There will be, you know, nowadays, if a guy is highly, highly touted like Zach was, um, and if he comes in and doesn't have 10 sacks in the first game <laughs> or score a touchdown on his first play on offense, you start getting what's going on, you know, and some guys make that very, very fast impact in this immediate. Some guys take a little longer, and there can be a variety of reasons for that. It can be injury or development, whatever. Zach out of high school was someone that you kind of knew, even though he was huge and athletic and could dominate people at that level, he was going to have more of a transition to playing inside and technique-wise and doing all those different things. Um, and it, and he's shown flashes during his career of that. I think a lot of people have been waiting. I, I remember hearing going into this year that, like, someone told me, like, Zach has, like, top two or three round NFL talent if he can put it together, you know, and be more consistent. And so I think I think we are starting to see more of that. Now, part of it, look, one, one thing to consider, I mean, offensively or defensively, you're also, to some degree, you're as good as the guys around you, you know? So if Zach, you know, is taking on a double team, that's not always, that's not going to show up in a stat sheet or, all. you know, maybe somebody else is making a play. But also maybe he dominates his guy, but they throw a 10-yard first down pass. The you know second I mean? play of the Kentucky game, Zach Pickens drove, it was either the center or the right guard, literally five yards behind the line of scrimmage where that dude was about to run into Chris Rodriguez as he was taking the handoff from Kai Sharon. The result of that play was a seven-yard gain for Chris Rodriguez. Right. Like a net 12-yard difference. Yeah. Uh, and, and I just, I hate that for him. Like, yeah. I, I want that play to just be a five-yard tackle for loss for Zach Pickens, and that's just not how football works. Unfortunately, that's a, that's sort of the breach that I was talking about. Yeah. And, um... You know, maybe you have some other guys that are going to fill in, fill in those gaps and, and start making those plays, or maybe they're going to start playing a little bit more as a unit. Um, but it's there, man, and and it's all out in front of him because these are the these are the bigger games that are coming forward, mm-hmm. and for so him to turn it on and turn it up would be not only beneficial. And this is where we always talk about what's caring. You know, you care about your performance, you care about your team, and by doing that right thing. Obviously, the byproduct of that will be his future if he chooses, you know, to pursue uh, NFL football. Did you hate anyone on the other team as much as you hated a linebacker that didn't fill correctly behind you destroying an offensive lineman? There's a certain disdain that you have for playing your gap and seeing somebody run, go speeding through another gap, and you know somebody's (laughs) supposed to be there and they're not, or they're, they're in your gap. Sometimes, oh, you, Ooh, Pearson. <laughs> I unlocked something. Sometimes, you know, the defensive coordinators will call run blitzes, mm-hmm. and they'll just to be simple to be D lineman. You're going in the B gap, linebacker. You're going in the A gap. There's nothing worse, nothing. <laughs> Chop blocks, double teams, nothing worse than the linebacker running into you because he runs in the wrong gap. He just runs into your back. You just feel like a Collision behind you. You know like, what are you doing? And the D linemen are usually right. The offense. Even if here's the thing. Even if the defense alignment is wrong, why would you just run into my back? Just run into the open gap, dude. What are you doing? 
Sure. Even if you think you're going the right place, you you clearly see that I'm here. Yeah. yeah. What, what are you doing? I yeah. remember uh, last year we were watching South Carolina's linebackers last year had some issues with with gap discipline, and I got Sherrod Golightly, who oh, was yeah. one of the smartest players that Carolina's had in a long time. I mean, physically limited, but that guy made so many plays. Very smart. And I had him watch some plays, and he was. He said something I had not heard before, or I hadn't really thought of it. He said that when he was asked to fill a gap and what he was seeing on film, he said, take a step back when the play is developing. You know, and I, I never really thought of it that way. Hmm. But you could see it on film. A lot of times Carolina's players were kind of rushing into a gap or hitting the wrong gap. A lot of times, that's the most maddening thing, and you're like, why are you doing that? You'll see linebackers, they both fill the same gap. And you're like, how does that happen? But it does. Um, A&M has struggled with that this year. Jimbo yeah. Fisher mentioned it on Monday. And again, if, 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 we, if everybody did it right, there'd be no linebacker coaches. So I'm not saying it's <laughs> right, easy. Right. That's right. But it's just infuriating. How do you see me right here? I'm slow. I'm, I'm gonna take, it's going to take me a long time to get from A to B. And you still decide to just run in my back. I'm so glad I unlocked something. I, I hadn't even thought about that memory I in a long time. Uh, on Preston's hit list. Number one, wide receivers. Uh-huh. Number two, what defensive backs or quarterbacks? Yep. And then and then linebackers. Linebackers, linebackers that fill the wrong gap. Run into your back. What are you doing? I'm right here. Just well, run into the other gap. It's, it's really that simple. Any linebackers or former linebackers that are listening, defend yourself, please. 803-404-6100. Love Chevy phone line, text line, and get all of us on Twitter, at Pearson Fowler, at Coach P Tweets, at GC Chris Clark. A few more thoughts on Carolina A&M as we wrap up the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour next. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. All right, 53 minutes after 11 o'clock. Seven minutes in front of noon. However you want to think about it. Welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, Preston, and Chris. Here with you, talking Carolina and Texas A&M. We've been talking a lot about the matchup between Carolina's defensive line, Texas A&M's offensive line. There's only one team in the SEC that has allowed more negative plays as a percentage of total plays than Texas A&M. You're thinking like you want to guess. I was just going to tell you, but you can guess it. No, you tell me. No, no. Missouri. Missouri mm-hmm. has had a negative yeah. play on 13% of all offensive plays. Texas A&M's like 12 and a half. No, no, no. Like 12. Something like that. Where's South Carolina in that? Uh, like right above Texas A&M. They're like 10 and a half maybe. They're like okay. 11th. The bottom of the SEC is like Kentucky, South Carolina, somebody, Texas A&M, and Missouri. It's not Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt has very few negative plays. Um, but I mentioned this a little bit in the first hour today. But it feels like that's the opportunity. The difference in the second half of the Kentucky game is that Carolina was able to actually finish some negative plays, put Kentucky behind the sticks, they're going to have the opportunity to do it against Texas A&M, but the difference, Kentucky got away from Chris Rodriguez because when you're in second and third and long situations, that's not his game. But Texas A&M with Devon A-Chain provides a different threat level, certainly. Um, so the negative play opportunities will be there, but it's gonna. it feels like a little boomer bust. Like if you take a shot trying to hit Devon A-Chain in the backfield, for that's either a three-yard loss or a 65-yard touchdown run. And yeah, I feel like that – I don't know if that variance favors this particular defense or not. 
Yeah, that, that's the thing. I mean, for South Carolina, the thing that they did against Kentucky, um, and really there are other wins too. You even think back to the Georgia State game. They gave up a, a couple explosives here and there, and but everything was kind of between the 20s, and they were able to lock in. Uh, that's what you have to prevent. You know, we were talking about that yesterday. What you have to do with A-Chain and this team in general is, you know, you got to get some third downs and get off the field every now and then. You got to try to force them into mistakes because they've they've shown that they're prone to do that. Negative plays, mistakes. You got to take those opportunities to get off the field. And you have to avoid the 75-yard run by A-Chain because he can make it happen in a hurry. Um, that's what you got to avoid. I mean, you look back to the A&M game, right? I mean, A-Chain had an explosive run in that game, I believe, but he finished with... You mean last year? No, I'm talking about the, the uh, A&M App State game. Oh, oh, okay. Yep. Did I even say that? I probably just... Well, you said the A&M game. I'm just, I didn't know if you meant the Carolina A&M game or the It would have helped State to give game. the context of what, what exact game <laughs> I was game? talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, he... Let's see what he did in that game. A-Chain had 66 yards in that game, which was... You don't count Sam Houston State. That was his worst performance. Um, so his long in that game was 26, hmm. right? I think he had like a kick return in that game or something that had an explosive play. But, you know, A&M did not have the ball. Like App State dominated the time of possession. It's 41 minutes to 18 minutes. A- A&M had 180 yards total. They were <laughs> under 100 yards passing. And Yikes. now they haven't played that poorly in all the games since. Yeah. But that does give you kind of an idea of the formula. And the formula was they were able to limit the explosive plays. Evan Stewart, A-Chain, Haynes King can run the ball some. So you have to eliminate those and try to bank on them making mistakes, which is as shown turnover-wise, yeah. uh, they've done that. Well, as, as many similarities as I think we can fairly draw between Texas A&M and, and Kentucky. That right there might represent the single biggest difference, and that'll definitely be a key to watch for. Um, all right, we are out of time today. Appreciate you all listening. The coordinators have their media availability this afternoon, uh, so we'll be back and plenty more coverage of South Carolina, Texas A&M, as well as a lot of uh, audio from South Carolina men's and women's basketball, day, uh, media basketball day is coming up throughout the course of the afternoon here on 107.5 The Game. For Chris, for Preston, I am Pearson, and the Halftime Show is coming up next. Titus and Tate, a podcast from two obsessed basketball lovers. One of the serious items is that the, the draft age is going to drop from 19 to 18, and high school kids are going to once again be able to go straight to the NBA. Yeah. How dead does this make college basketball? Because we know college basketball is dead. Is it even more dead? Yeah. Are they just throwing more dirt? No, we're six here? feet deep right now. Yes. Who has had a longer funeral? Queen Elizabeth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, now that is a good question. The Titus and Tate podcast, wherever you listen. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.